Hey friends, welcome back to the No Wrong Turns podcast with Audrey Hickman Hunter. I'm Audrey and I'm your host, and I am so happy that you're back here joining us on the podcast. If you like what you're listening to today, make sure that you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Every other Tuesday, we have an awesome guest come on and chat about their story and their passions and how their passions have evolved and grown throughout their story. Subscribe today to the No Wrong Turns pod with Audrey Hickman Hunter on your podcast player app so you will never miss an episode. Hey friends, happy last Tuesday of March and happy spring. How are you all doing? Now that we have switched to the spring season, I am looking back at winter 2022 and cannot believe how fast it sped by. Did anyone else experience a warp speed winter? Listeners, welcome to our 50th episode with Samantha Flynn. Yes, you heard that correctly. This is episode number 55 Personally, I have got to say, I had no idea what this episode would look like when we started out three years ago, and I just wanted to thank you listeners for being a part of this milestone episode. All right, on our 50th episode, Samantha Flynn joins us. Sam grew up in Pennsylvania, but since the age of about eight years old, she has always been interested and felt a great pull to move to the city of Chicago. After graduating from college and then promptly completing grad school, Sam moved halfway across the country to her dream city of Chicago. Sam shares her story of how she always felt pulled to move to Chicago, as well as the importance of putting her career in public relations as one of her top priorities. You are for sure going to want to lean in and not miss hearing Samantha's story as she highlights her passions of public relations and entrepreneurship. No matter if this is your story and you can relate to her or not, I believe that there is something in this episode for you. All right, here's my conversation with Samantha Flynn. Welcome back to the Narrowing Turns podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Samantha Flynn. Hi, Sam. Hi, thanks for having me. Awesome. Can you give the listeners a kind of 30 second intro on who you are and just anything you want to share about yourself as we get started? Sure. So I am Samantha Flynn. I am the owner and founder of Juniper Public Relations. So we are a strategic communications and PR firm that's located here in Chicago with staff in Philadelphia and the Tampa areas. And I've been working in PR for gosh, I should say going on 15 years now, uh, most all of that time has been here in Chicago and I've bounced around, worked through a couple different agencies and clients across the board, you name it from automotive to beer, food and beverage, CPG. And about four years ago, three or four years ago, I branched out on my own to start Juniper and we're getting ready to celebrate our anniversary coming up. So it's been a wild ride over the past few years. Wow. That's so exciting. Congrats on your anniversary. Thank you. Very fun. So you mentioned that most of your career was spent in Chicago. Is this where you grew up as well? I grew up in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So, um, uh, land of the Amish. I was <laughs> born in Pittsburgh, which is still probably one of the best cities in the world, right? Like that's my family's there. Uh, my extended family, both of my parents' roots are in 
Pittsburgh, but um, we bounced around a little bit when I was younger, but I would say starting from fourth grade, I was in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and then my family is still there today. So that's been, you know, almost three decades now. Awesome. When you were growing up there, did you have any kind of hobbies or passions or things that took a lot of your time or things that you remember enjoying a lot? Yeah. So I was always very busy looking back. Um, it's interesting to kind of see Mm -hmm. how elements of your personality that you don't really realize are your personality or shining through at such a young age. So I played softball for 12 years. I started that in elementary school. Yeah. I played all the way up through, uh, high school and varsity team one up. So I kind of moved around there. That was my favorite thing I did. And that was really like a, I would say it was a four season sport in the sense of, you know, we had the high school leagues in the Mm -hmm. spring, we had summer, we had fall ball. And then I was a catcher for the majority of my uh, time at playing softball. And Mm -hmm. so in the winter you would go to pitching and catching clinics. Right. So I would go work with my pitcher and, you know, help them strengthen and get a little bit better. So I did a lot of softball. Um, I was also in the marching band. I was in the color guard. So I did that for four years. Oh, very Um, fun. But that was nice, you know, team building and a lot of time. And that, that had actually ended up being super rewarding. And gosh, I was on the high school newspaper. I hosted the talent show. Um, So I kind of had my fingers in everything and I was Mm -hmm. always moving um, as a, uh, I, as a kid. So I would say, you know, I think being busy is one of my hobbies, which is ridiculous. <laughs> Looking back, it, it had roots at a very young age. Gotcha. So would you say your, does that transfer over to your personality as well? Kind of like the need for, uh, being filled by the kind of more busy extrovertedness, or would you say? Yeah, I think so. I, um, I always find that I'm burning the candle at both ends. And Mm -hmm. I think for a really long time, I was not aware of my role in that. Right. Like I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, well work is really busy or my extracurriculars are really busy. People are asking for a lot of things. And so, you know, maybe five, six years ago, I started saying, okay, well, I just need to be more mindful of what I'm saying yes to. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah, implying like simple things. So I try to really challenge myself to slow down a lot and say, okay, you can do one thing a day. And if that plan gets canceled with your friend or with this or with that, don't rebook it, take Mm -hmm. the time and just like breathe. So yeah, I, but you know, that being said, I feel like the busyness has what's led to a lot of the success in being an entrepreneur. It's like, there's no shortage of things that you can do working and growing your business. So being good at identifying things that can fill your time has served me well as, as well. I don't know if that really answers your question, but just, no, I was just, I was just curious because sometimes I get caught up with, you know, like the wanting to be like the same thing with you, like wanting to have plans, but then at the same time, you're like, I make too many plans and then I'm going to get, I need to temper, temper that. So I don't get burnt out so I can keep going. 
Right. Like understanding that scheduling downtime, like I've just gotten better at scheduling downtime as well. Like even Mm -hmm. blocking stuff off in my calendar and being like, okay, from 10 to 12 today, it's Sam time. I'm not going to take any meetings. I'm going to focus on this task that I need to do. Again, it can be work related. Like I'm not necessarily saying that I'm, you know, vegging out and watching television in the middle (laughs) of the day, but I think like, I just noticed that I work really well on a schedule. And so Mm -hmm. why not start scheduling in your downtime so that you can take advantage of it? Yeah, that's a really smart idea. So when you were growing up, did you have, I guess maybe in middle school or high school, did you have any kind of idea of like what you wanted to be when you were growing up or were you kind of just like, cause you kind of when, when you listed your interests, you were, you had like, you know, sports kind of music and like just a lot of different like genres of interests, I guess. So did you have an idea like, oh, this is, this one's coming out to be a stronger interest that I want to pursue or something like that? I would say that I think I just liked being around people mm-hmm. and that kind of led that like softball was my favorite thing I did. And I, you know, still follow it. I'm going for the third time this year (laughs) to the women's college world series in Oklahoma city in uh, June, right. Where they'll play for all the championship and things like that. So I think I was always really drawn to things that had a team aspect. Um, But I just, I think what I've noticed is I have always wanted to get the most out of where I've been Mm -hmm. in any station in life. And sometimes you know, I think there's a lot of pressure where people are like, well, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And I found a lot of success. I think even starting at a young age of, you know, let me try things. And sometimes it's easier to figure out what I don't want to do. And then that's how kind of making what you want to do comes into place. So, um, there were different team dynamics and different things like that. Um, I will say what has been interesting is I have had an interest in Chicago specifically since I was like eight or nine years old, which is super strange because yeah, so I, I have never, we never visited Chicago. We don't have any family out here. There had never been anything like that, but I guess, you know, Oh my gosh. Back when like Sammy Sosa and <laughs> Mark McGuire were doing like the home run stuff. And I was like, deep in softball at that time. And that was such an exciting oh, time. For okay. Yeah. I can see that link. Yeah. And we ended up getting WGN in Lancaster. Like, you know, that's everywhere. And so I'd be watching a lot of Cubs games. Like I just always had this passion for Chicago. And I think, you know, my family has like videos or things of me when I was really young saying, well, I'm going to live in Chicago someday. Like I'm going to live in Chicago someday, which is so wow. And bizarre. It really kind of makes you feel like it's it's preordained and it's something that's like buried in your heart, right? Because mm-hmm. I feel like I just kind of had had a fixation on Chicago. And um, when I could move out here after grad school, you know, I was like, okay, well, it was just a no brainer. Like I was going to move to Chicago and figure it out, you know? And it's nice to think that, you know, there was this whole world out here for me. It'll be 13 years coming up in May that I've been here and, um, that I didn't even know was there, but that I was maybe kind of dreaming about when I was younger, if that makes any sense. Yeah. That's kind of crazy that 
I can see the link from like the softball and like the ba- the baseball link from growing up, but that's also just like very interesting. Cause I feel like a lot of East coasters are more like New York or DC focused, you know? Yeah, there were not a ton of people. I mean, I think, you know, actually how, as it worked out, like one of my best friends from high school is out here and moved out here kind of right after me. So that has been great. Mm-hmm. But other than the two of us, I feel like there were maybe two people from my high school, like out of everybody in the four years that was out here in Chicago. So this was not really a area that a lot of people migrated to. A lot of Mm -hmm. people migrated to Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, DC, New York, kind of what you're saying, because it's all close on that East coast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just kind of was like a no brainer for me. It was like, I'm, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to move to Chicago and then, you know, just try to make it work. So it's interesting. Can you take us back to the end of your high school time? Did you always know that you wanted to go? Cause I know I just heard you mention grad school. So did you always know that you wanted to go to college or were you thinking about taking some time off and fit, deciding what your next step was going to be? What were, what, what was that like for you? Yeah. So I would say, you know, my parents are super amazing, right? Parents are the shoulders that we stand on in life, right? To like mm-hmm. get our start and and go. And so I would say, you know, uh, my dad worked his way through college and then my mother, um, I don't believe had finished going through college, right? She had started and, you know, they had gotten ma- married very young and all of that. So um my, it was never really a discussion in my family, other than my parents felt very, very strongly that, uh, we needed to go to college. Right. Right. And so that was always the conversation. And, um, they had said at some point, so certainly, you know, they helped to assist with the tuition. Um, they did not, you know, cover their four of us in my family. So four Mm. full college tuitions for four years, is just like, not economical or feasible at the time. I can only imagine what it's like today. Probably um, worse. <laughs> but it's probably worse. It's probably one year of the tuition and then uh, was four years of what I was. <laughs> yeah. So I actually, on a side and a, and a tangent, I actually worked in a ceiling factory on the graveyard shift, uh, driving forklifts and looking at ceilings and stuff in the wow. summers from college so that I could pay my tuition for school. So my parents helped to an extent Mm -hmm. Um, for sure. And they helped us all, you know, but I was responsible for, you know, my half of the tuition and all of that. So, um, you know, they had put a rule down kind of early, whereas if, if we took some time off, you know, we would, uh, lose access to the, to the support, um, which, which, you know, may work for some people may not work for some people or might listen to this and be like, Oh my gosh, that's ridiculous. But honestly, what I can tell you is that all four of us kids have gone through, uh, made it through college. Three of us have done postgraduate degrees. And then that was fully on our own, right? Mm-hmm. There was there. Um, and you know, all of us have benefited tremendously from not that you can't be successful, you know, not taking that traditional path. Right. Um, but I, it was never really a discussion. Um, it was more of a discussion of what college and what does that look like? So if that's community mm. college, if that's this, if that's that, like, what does this look like? Um, all of that being said, 
everyone in my family went to Penn State University. I mm. always wanted to go to Syracuse. Uh, I loved like being on the East Coast. I love them. I love the basketball team. So again, it's like sports kind of, <laughs> you know, they have just a really, really great PR and communications plan. So I would say when I was a junior in college and like looking at the cost differentials and things like that, I had always said, well, I'm not going to go to grad school or I'm not going to go to Syracuse for undergrad, but I'm going to go to Syracuse for grad school. And that's going to be the goal. And then that actually did end up happening. I did that immediately after, um, undergrad. So, um, yeah. So you do, so you already knew what, when you were a junior in high school that you wanted to go for PR and marketing? Or junior in college? Gosh, it's hard. I knew that I was probably going to do something in communications. Okay. I had done the newspaper for four years in high school. Mm-hmm. I knew that I didn't think that journalism was really going to be it because I was nervous to talk to people, which is so funny now. <laughs> you know I mean? um, and then when I'd gotten in through college and I was trying to, you know, the first two years are just your basic education, right? Like, um, you know, chemistry and all that in the last two years. Mm-hmm. we could really focus. And so I had asked my, I don't, they're not guidance, count, whatever they are in college, right. Your career path person. Yeah. And they had suggested that PR was the, um, was the area that I was describing. And so then I started taking more communications classes and all of that. That's awesome. So, um, how did, so you, you kind of already had picked out, that's interesting. You already had picked out like your college and your grad school options right away before you even really got through all of that throughout your college time, I guess, did you, uh, cause it's kind of rare for people to start with a college major and kind of stick by it for the whole time. I know that there's probably some statistic I should be able to quote about how many times people change their majors, but I, I have heard it happens often, but did anything like that happen to you as you're going through your time in college? You know, I, I don't think so. Like I kind of know where my strengths are. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's a really big power. You know what I mean? Like, because I was trying so many different things. And then, you know, when I was in college, I was in sorority and I was an ambassador, like exactly the same thing, like to, to just look at kind of some of the parallels is interesting. Like I was involved in everything in college as well. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. like all of these different things. And so for me, it was like, science was never going to be it for me. That was always like challenging math was decent, but I really, really had to apply myself, you know? And so when we kind of got into the electives portion of college where you could find, you know, what you really wanted to take that lined up, uh, English and communications and speech and, uh, PR writing and all of that really was just something that I was in the flow. And I was excited to tackle that subject matter, you know, like I Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I don't mind doing research on this or doing like, I've kind of always said, like, I think part of the key to the, some, to the success that I've had to date in my career has been because like marketing and communications and PR, I'm going to sound like such a nerd, but it's really a hobby for me. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like it does not you know, I'll see articles that come out with people doing crisis. Like I think the, the most recent one was like Peloton with, um, sex. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
And I love to read that stuff. Like I love to read like, what is their response? And I think critically on like, how would I have responded? Do what I have responded <laughs> differently? Do I think this is right? Do I think it's that? Like if there's a big scandal, like I think, you know, when A-Rod came out and there were um, steroids or whatever, you know, all these mm-hmm. years ago. And it's like watching that interview was the first time that I was saying like, viewing it, it's hard for me to divorce it. Right. So I view it as like, do I think he was media trained pop properly? Do I think he wore the right thing? Do I think there's a side mm. or the other? So it becomes a hobby and it kind of, so I've just kind of have always gravitated towards some of the things that I haven't had to go as hard upstream. Not that I don't have to apply myself, not that I don't have to work incredibly hard, but I kind of am like, like I said, you know, science was never going to be it for me. I, and I, anybody that's in uh, the science field, any woman that sent like props. Right. But that's just, it's just so much harder for me to kind of wrap my mind around that stuff. So I kind of started getting into what excites me and then where do I find that I'm, I'm excited to apply myself. That's awesome. And almost like, as you were sharing, it kind of sounds like you almost like a, a like a lens or something that you kind of are viewing everything as you're taking it in. Cause I could hear about, you know, the, like any kind of like scandal or the Peloton situation and view it totally different than you as you, but you have that kind of like nuance framework to kind of intake all that information and ask yourself, is this how I would respond? You know, if I was in charge of PR. Yeah. And I would say, I think it's interesting because sometimes I think it annoys people because like interviews will come out and I'll be like, I don't believe them. Why wouldn't they say this? Why would they, if I, and people are like, well, everybody's got a different approach. You know what I mean? It's just, it's kind of like a, it's just hard when you, when you live and breathe that. And, Mm -hmm. but it took me a while to harness that. Like, I feel like I, I remember saying a lot in college and in my twenties and stuff, like, it's not that hard to communicate. Like, it's just people like say the wrong thing all the time and blah, blah, blah. And then like, I had to take a step back and really like, no, I think it's just, it's a gifting that I have. And I don't, you know, when, when we start talking about that and then it's, when you kind of have that switch, then things started becoming a little bit easier because I never really, I've never, you know, I would say my self-esteem is, is fine. You know, I've never, so I don't say this in the, in the, in the lens of that, but I never really thought that I was anything that I had gifting or that I was mm-hmm. super, like, I just figured like, okay, I'm insecure about this, or I'm scared about this but the only option is for me to do it. So I'm going to apply myself. Or if I, if I'm scared about this class, I'm going to carve out the time and really like make more time, or I'm going to like address my areas of weakness, or I'm going to do this, do that. I'm really going to be very thoughtful about how I talk to people. And then I just realized that kind of some of that grit or some of the way that I communicate and really kind of that I'm working in communications 24 seven you know, I, it allows me to just have a lot more grace and like understanding if that makes any sense, you know? Yeah. I think that's very interesting. Kind of how you, you frame that where you looked around and you're like, communication, isn't that hard? Why, why are people not understanding this, but then taking a step back and, you know, kind of seeing like, Hey, this is actually like a whole field of like training that some people like yourself just might be, have that a little bit naturally and have that internal push to be able to, to do that. But then at the same time, other people may, may not, I mean, clearly don't have that. So, uh, just kind of having, seeing both sides. Yeah. I mean, I would say like, that's probably how I am with science, right? Yeah. Somebody that, you know, my sister is, 
the science brain, it's, it's so funny because all four of us kids do completely different things. There's no family business. There's no, we, we all kind of have pursued different areas. My sister's like dissecting dragonflies in a, in a laboratory doing all this crazy. And, and I'm sure she feels the same way. I'm like, well, like, it's not that you just apply yourself and it's not that hard. Right. And like, for me, I'm like, I can't even like have a top line conversation with her. I'm like, how are the dragonflies? You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, did you pull like, you know, so I say all that to say, you know, it's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's just been an interesting journey to kind of figure out some of those things. And then, like I said, it kind of ties back to knowing what you're good at, what you feel good doing, and then being okay that you're like, not good at everything. And then it's like, where is, is the most of my time going to be spent, you know? So, yeah, I think that, I think that's also a really good gem of being kind of like exposed to lots of different things, realizing I am not good at this and, or maybe I don't enjoy this, but I do enjoy X, Y, Z and pursuing your time in that instead. And I think like with social now, everybody's like, it's like, you have to be amazing at whatever you try the first time you try it, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so I think that a lot of people feel like, oh, well, if I try to take up a new line, like it's, it's kind of like, sometimes you only see social, uh, we don't have to get into it, but you know, social has just really kind of edited out. I think a lot of the work and, and progress and, you know, I'm probably an offender of that too myself, but, um, it's just interesting. listeners, some of you may have heard a big part of my story on how and why I started this podcast. During my day job, I get to listen to podcasts all day long as I'm working. The ones I enjoy are ones that encompass someone's story and their passions. Since I'm an avid podcast listener, I want to share the podcasts and podcast episodes that I'm enjoying and I think you might as well. A podcast that I've been catching up on this week is called The Barracks Podcast and it comes from my friends Amanda Keene and Kirsten Aho. I enjoy their podcasts because they are able to have authentic discussions about the church while at the same time having their genuine personalities shine through. They have just started their season four. Congrats, ladies. And this season four, they're focusing on the question of, is there a place for me? Check out the the Barracks podcast on all major platforms. And the link will be in the show notes. All right, back to Samantha's story. I just want to circle back to you. So you graduated from college and then you knew that you were going to go to grad school right away. And did you have, besides communication or PR, was there a specific major that you decided on for that? So it was going to be public relations. And it's interesting. I mean, you know, I, my fear was that if I didn't go to grad school right after undergrad, and this might just be like I said, it's cool to think about this, like a continuation from, you know, my parents setting me up. I was like, if I don't go to grad school now, I'm probably never going to go. Right. Mm -hmm. Like life happens, career happens, all of that. So I had known that I wanted to do public relations and that Syracuse was, and you know, is the top program in the country for it. So I had had a lot of backup, um, you know, uh, ball state, Miami, Uh, down in Florida, Colorado, Denver University. And so it was, they all had some sort of communication slant, but the only one that had that specific PR 
program that I was looking at was Syracuse. And so I went for it and, uh, you know, they, of course they were the last ones. I mean, I think I got into Syracuse, like the end of April, I had already actually had a deposit on an apartment in Miami because I was wow. like set to go to University of Miami and you know, and then, you know, you try to tell yourself, I'm like, well, if Syracuse calls, like, I don't know, like, I'm really happy going to Miami and like Miami's a great school, like Coral Gables, all that. They have a great program. And, um, I spoke Spanish and, you know, still do. So I was like, well, I'll continue like, you know, using my Spanish and all that. But then I got called to Syracuse and it was like a no brain, like it was immediate. It was like, (laughs) yep, I'm going to figure it out. I will be on campus. So I, I think I graduated from Penn state, like May 15th. And mm-hmm. I think I started at Syracuse June 1st. So it was, wow. right away. Yeah, it was right away. Yeah. No time off, just boom, boom. Well, which again, like, like as we're reflecting, I mean, I guess that's kind of how I've always done it, you know? So it's interesting. yeah, that's very true. Is that for your grad school program? Was, was that length like two years or I know sometimes they vary. It was an integrated program. So it was 16 months. So we started okay. in June. We started in June of 2008 and mm-hmm. we graduated in August of 2009, but they let us walk in May. You know, we had to do an internship and like some final programs. So it was about 14 months, 16 months. Okay. Awesome. Well, that's even shorter than I was thinking. So when you, after you graduated and, you know, had all your final internships and that kind of thing done, what was your next step? Were you planning to return home and kind of figure things out with family or did you already have a deposit down in an apartment somewhere? Yeah. So I was only looking at like internships and next steps and jobs in Chicago. So for me, always wanting to to just be moving. I had, uh, gotten an internship out here. So when I came out, it was 2009, which feels like forever ago. I know that yeah. we're in the middle of the recession. Right. And so mm. there, there were not entry-level jobs that were available. I remember looking in Chicago and I mean, I was doing all my due diligence and there was maybe one or two entry-level in, in the entirety of it was hard, you know? And so I had to go the internship route when I was out here and same thing. Like I graduated Syracuse on the first moved to Chicago on May 15th. So I kind of came straight out here, just tried to make it work, like found a sublet and, you know, I, I moved out here. I, I always say like with a suitcase full of clothes and an air mattress, you know, and that's, wow. that's the reality of it. So <laughs> Um, it's just kind of bizarre to go back and think about all of it, you know? Yeah, that is pretty crazy. Uh, so you moved out with your suitcase and your, your air mattress, and then you had an internship for the summer or what was your position? Yeah, I had an internship. It was at a a PR firm downtown. So Mm -hmm. they do a crop of interns every 12 weeks or 16 gotcha. weeks. So you come in and, you know, we would sit in the intern pit. There would be eight <laughs> or nine of us. We all have our own stuff and you kind of come in and you're doing all the work. And, you know, it, it was a, it was a great experience. I mean, I was just thrilled to be able to gain a uh, real world experience because mm-hmm. when you're Syracuse was great. I attribute so much of my career to being able to hunker down and 
really study the craft and the profession of public relations and the strategy and that time's invaluable. I'm going to pay, be paying that off until the day I die. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I know that I'm aware of that, but you know, being able to take that and get into the real world, you know, there has to be a mix of both, right. Because you can't always be, there is no elevator to the top, right. You mm-hmm. have to start on the stairs. So I mean, it was kind of shocking to get into this internship and have them be like, make a Excel sheet full of this, that, and the other. And I'm like, they never taught me Microsoft Excel. It <laughs> all of these things are like, you have to get over, you have to pick up the phone, you have to call reporters, you have to do all that stuff. Like there's only so much you can do. You can simulate real world experience. So that internship was really a good first taste of, uh, you know, what, what could be done. That's awesome. So after that kind of, I guess, summer experience, were you able to stay in Chicago or what was your, what happened to you after that? So I ended up uh, not getting signed on full-time from that internship. So I filled the gap doing some other small internships. So non-for-profit organizations, things like that. And then I was just really, really scouring and and applying to jobs and trying to work my network. So I would say, actually, I was getting ready to come home. Mm -hmm. I had sent my dad this super emotional email that was like, you know, I've tried everything here. Mm. You know, I failed. I feel like, you know, Chicago was always my dream. And I, it's kind of like chewed me up and spit me out. Like, that's like literally what I wrote to him. And I want to come home. And it's just hard. Like, I think nobody really talks about how hard it is to get your life started. Like, especially out of college where, you you know, you don't, or college or high school or whatever kind of your structure is. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, up until that point, it had been every four years have kind of been predetermined or, okay, I'm going to go to Syracuse and that's going to end here. And there's all that stuff. Right. And then all of a sudden you're in the real world and the rent is due on, on the first and you know, all of that. So Right when I had started to really consider and think about coming home, I ended up landing a job at a firm out in the suburbs in Oak Brook. So that's about, you know, 15 miles from the city. The thing is I didn't drive. I didn't have a driver's license. I didn't have a car, like anything like that. So I actually ended up taking the brown line to the pink line, all the way to the pink line. Then I would take a pace bus all the way out to Oak Brook. It was a two hour commute each way, every single day. Oh my gosh. And I did that. I wasn't like, like that was, that was, um, because that was the job at the time. Do you get what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? Like there were not, it's not right now. I think you're seeing a lot of people bouncing around because there are a lot of different opportunities and we're, we're talking more as a culture about like work and all of that like literally the only job that would take me or that I could, you know, really feel like was right. What I was looking for was out in Oak Brook. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to sit down and figure out how to do this. So I used to leave my house at like, you know, six in the morning. And then I would get home at like seven o'clock at night. And I did that for, I would say about a year ish. Wow. 
it, that's what spurred me to get my driver's license. Cause I was like, there has to be a quicker, like an hour is better than two, right? Like this, like something has to give. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Wow. So you had a, you were kind of just grinding it out and still pursuing passion for PR and, um, communications and marketing, but with the only available opportunity for you at that time where you're kind of just green in the industry. Right. Mm -hmm. So after you, uh, spent all that time on the public transportation each day and got your driver's license, what was your next step? So I had been working at that agency for about a year and I really liked it. We had really awesome clients. People were very friendly. Um, Mm -hmm. It was, it, it, there was flexibility that I could see in the future, you know, about a year in through that one of our clients, which was Hershey, uh, asked if I would come and work on site for them. So it was kind of a split role. I was going to be the on-site liaison for the work that my agency was doing at okay. Hershey. And then I was also going to manage other agencies for pieces of work that I, that, that we were not involved in. Right. So it was kind of like this hybrid role. Hershey is in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, 30 minutes from my parents and Mm -hmm. all of that. And it, it was an internal role. So I, I took that, like I went back to Lancaster and I was flying back between Chicago and and Pennsylvania, not as often as I would like to, but quarterly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was supposed to be there a year, then it was supposed to be a year and a half. And at some point, you know, I feel like I had never left Chicago. Like I had noticed when I was back in Lancaster, I was not interested in dating at all. I wasn't interested mm-hmm. in reconnecting with friends. I wasn't, cause I was like, I want to be in Chicago. Like this is a good move for me and my career to be back here and to mm-hmm. learn and to get Hershey on my resume. And like that ended up being a very, very formative experience for my career. Um, but I never at any point in time, I, I think my parents and my family and stuff were thinking like, oh, cause I got an apartment in Lancaster and like, oh, she's going to let, she's going to end up staying. <laughs> like, and for me, that was never even an option in my mind. It was like, I'm here, I'm doing this work and I'm moving back to Chicago. So mm-hmm. I ended up doing that. And I think I came back in December of 2012 or 2013, something like that. So mm-hmm. it was a, about a year and a half. Yeah. Ish. Okay. So I think that still leaves a couple of years before you started your company now. So what happened, I guess, between from that time until you, you began your company? Sure. So what I had liked about Hershey was that in my, at my previous agency, you know, we were a PR agency. So you know, we would be briefed on here's the program. Here's what we need. Here's how we need PR. Right. When I was at Hershey, I was able to really see the entire marketing sphere, right? Mm -hmm. So I would see how all these agencies would come to the table. So advertising, website, PR, social, all of that, you know, and the idea would come and then I saw, you know, okay, well, PR kind of is the, the last one. And that's, that's just how the industry is like people 
PR is really kind of tangential and Mm -hmm. hard to measure. And so when you're competing, and I say competing loosely, because there's a role for everything in the marketing suite, right? But when you have people that are saying, if you give me a thousand dollars, I can click all of these. I I can show you every single click and every single purchase, right? Mm -hmm. The windows are hilarious because they'll attribute 30 days after. Like if I see an ad and then I buy something completely different up to 30 days later, like the ad agencies will count that as like an effective use of their stuff, right? Interesting. Um, Right. But like for PR, it's kind of just, it's reputation management and it's like awareness. You know what I mean? So, so for me, I really liked though, like I was saying, I was curious and I was learning and I was leaning and I learned a lot at Hershey and like just seeing how that works. So when I moved back here to Chicago, I got uh, tired of doing the commute, even when I was driving now, (laughs) I, 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 I was losing a lot of time in the commute. And I was really looking for an experience that let me continue to see the entire marketing function. Mm-hmm. So I ended up moving to an integrated firm in downtown Chicago in River North. And I was there five or six years. And I was able to really work on PR, do a lot of campaigns for different clients, and then really because they were integrated, have the opportunity to advocate for PR and educate for PR and really um, leverage PR with additional support, right? So everything has to kind of work together. I think if people are only leveraging one piece of the marketing puzzle to achieve their goals, they're going to be disappointed because one thing doesn't do everything, right? So um I did that for six or seven years and, you know, <laughs> that's my tell. I did that for six or seven years. It was time to move on. I had been around the block. I had been in the grind. I had reached the highest that I was going to be able to go at that company, which mm-hmm. Gave me great opportunities. I was leading departments. I was leading teams, but I wasn't healthy. You know, I wasn't healthy Mm. mentally. I wasn't healthy spiritually. I wasn't healthy physically. And um, I just hadn't had some balance that I was looking for. I remember uh, turning 30 and saying, okay, well, that's my goal is I, I need to, this is my goal. And then being 31, or 32, I think I was 31. And I said, you know, I worked more this year than I've ever worked. And some of that is the demands of the, of the industry. And some of Mm -hmm. that is me signing up for additional work. Like, as we've been talking about this entire podcast, like for me to realize like what I was signing up or taking on or doing things like that, you know, being involved in outside. So I just wasn't healthy. Um, and it was, just, I just had to have a, uh, clean break and, and see what else was out there for me. And so that's when, you know, knowing that I needed to just take some time to really reflect and figure things out. I figured that starting my own firm would Mm -hmm. be the way to do that. Right. Because some of the tension was, you know, I had been working so hard for so long and I'd been putting my career first 
since I was 23. I like across the industry, across everything like that, doing all the commutes and the learning and the growth, all of that stuff. And I just felt that I could take a bet on my ability to navigate and kind of, you know, I just wanted a little bit of freedom to be able to navigate in the way that felt true to me. And Mm -hmm. really the only way that you can do that is through entrepreneurship, which is what I've come to find, you know? So yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the gap in between. Awesome. So you kind of were knowing as it came to the end of your time that you were kind of hitting like a ceiling and not being able to kind of grow into another, another role or kind of grow past that. And so you saw the idea of starting your own firm and becoming an entrepreneur as a next step. But I have to ask, did that come come easily for you? Or did you, I mean, just kind of like the, the point for, you know, turning in your resignation and then starting, starting something new, like those, like those two kind of like bookmarkers, like seem that it would be a little bit challenging, maybe even a little scary to, to do that. So, uh, kind of walk us through your, I guess, start or how that went for you. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say that And just to clarify, I mean, my previous, every employer that I've had has been instrumental into where I'm at today. So, you know, and as far as saying, you know, I'd hit a ceiling, I think, you know, at some point in your career, it's not about executing the work. It's about managing different aspects or training or kind of like as you're moving up. And as I have established earlier, like I'm really energized by doing the work, right? So I really want to be like in the grounds and doing the work. So I think for me, it was entrepreneur. It was just at the time I had just thought, you know, I'm confident in my abilities. I've learned a lot and I've, you know, absorbed things here. I know I have to make some sort of shift here, you know, cause I was not showing up as my best self in any area, um, mm-hmm. you know, at work with friends, with family, um, in any area. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to do this. And then if it doesn't work out your job, like that's, that's kind of what I thought. Like if this ends up being a a fancy sabbatical or something, (laughs) I'll end up doing that. So I resigned in December, but my last day was at the end of January and I had locked in one or two clients that would cover my rent. And then my last agency that I was at was very generous in extending me on a contract basis to continue because I had been, you know, there so long. So they, mm-hmm. they were generous in doing that. And so I just kind of started navigating as we went through, um, you know, the different relationships and the clients and everything like that, that had come through. And the it's kind of weird to look back at it because now it's like, I don't know. It's just, it's just one of those things where your back is kind of up against a wall. And for me, it was, I'm always going to be in Chicago, right? Like, cause I just, I, I, you know, I have it tattooed on my wrist, right? Mm-hmm. Like I just, I love it. And so for me, I've never been above because I've always done hard work in the sense of, like I said, working at the ceiling factory, I worked all the way through college when I was taking, you know, classes, like I was doing all of that. If I had to be a receptionist or work at Starbucks or whatever I needed to do, I I was not above doing any of that, you know? So 
that's, that's kind of how I navigated going in there. But my mindset at the time was I had had experience running a PR department. I'd had experience scaling clients and accounts. And I felt that if I could do that in the context of an agency setting, I probably could do that for like, I have all of the pieces. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, for me, what's most important when I look at new opportunities and stuff is I want to do smart work for nice people. Right. I I've come 15 years working in the industry and there I've worked for, you know, a variety of people. The, the number one thing for me is that if I get excited about the project, if we get, if we can work together and vibe, and again, I'm, a, I'm aware that you don't always vibe with everyone, but right. I feel right now that every single client I have, I'm genuinely excited to talk to and about what they're doing. And so that's kind of what keeps me moving and energized. But yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not exactly sure that I'm answering your question. So I'm just kind <laughs> no, of- I mean, all, all of that's good. I was uh, just kind of th- um, thinking about, you you know, like how, how you started. And I really liked how you highlighted that, how you were kind of doing, you had all the tools, I guess, like in your toolbox, like, so to speak, to be able to run your own firm because you were kind of already doing I mean, you were doing what you're doing now, but just in a different context, but now you're also able to choose your clients and say yes to clients that you're genuinely excited about working with and being with that. That's what I gleaned at least. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, you know, the benefit is, and it's, I remember my dad asking me like, Sam, do you have money saved up? Like, can you, can you do this? And I said, no. I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm living paycheck to paycheck, you know, um, but the rent will be due and I'll figure out a way to get it done. And so I think sometimes when you start an entrepreneurial, you are a little bit more open to some things that maybe don't align to your strengths, but it has always been for me, uh, the quality of the person experience that's coming out first, because mm-hmm. if you feel you know, mutual respect. And if there's, you know, an understanding of what we do and how we can help each other, then you can really produce your best work. I was not afraid to say no to opportunities that didn't serve me, even in the very beginning, because I knew what I wanted to move into. That's not saying that I haven't had clients that came in and they worked and they they worked for a time and they didn't work. That's not to say that I haven't, you know, had an opportunity that would be a short-term opportunity. And I grabbed it because I was like, Hey, this could pay my rent next four months. Right. Mm -hmm. But I've been very intentional about what I'm locking myself into long-term and mm-hmm. being very upfront with my clients right now about the, this is the manner in which I operate, how I operate. If that jives with you, great, let's do good work. And if it doesn't, no harm, no foul, but let's not try to put square pegs and round holes, right? Mm-hmm. There are a million different marketing agencies or a million different PR agencies because everybody approaches things differently. And so it just, has been the lens in which I've, I've moved forward, trusting my intuition. 
That's awesome. I can definitely see that that is just a, a shift of being able to take what you've, what you have learned, but then also kind of, uh, have more ability to say yes to doing the work that you, that you want to be doing. For the first 10 years of my career, it was, I have to do what I have to do so that I can do what I want to do. So to tell you the truth, I did not want to move to Hershey. I felt like I had been in Chicago and it had been a hard transition. And it was like a year, year and a half. Like I told you, I had all these thoughts about like the city spinning me up, spinning me out. Like it was just wild. And I remember getting the call and the opportunity to go to Hershey and like calling my dad and crying and being like, I don't think I can. And my dad said, well, you don't have to take it. And I remember being like, yes, I do, because it's such an amazing opportunity Mm -hmm. and it's the right thing for my career. And so I kind of had done a lot of that stuff. I'd always say I'm doing what I have to do so I can do what I want to do. And so what's ended up happening is that now on the entrepreneurial journey, which again, I never envisioned being an entrepreneur until six weeks before I went out to be an entrepreneur, right? (laughs) Like it's like something had to give, right? I, it's an, it was an interesting dichotomy and a challenging transition Mm -hmm. to be like, okay, I don't have to do this anymore. Like now I can want to do those things. Yeah. And And that I've kind of paid my dues and worked. And again, like I just kind of get to not saying that I was cavalier about things or that I've never taken things that didn't excite me at the beginning. Like for sure. Like I'm not going to sit here and say I was turning things down left and right, (laughs) but I would look at the amount of work, you know, or Mm -hmm. I would look at, does this serve my larger purpose? And honestly, like, because I wasn't above doing other types of work, it would be like, Or could I work at Starbucks 15 hours a week and make half of this and then spend that rest of the time that I'd be doing this, doing something else. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I've kind of always had a, I'm going to pivot. I'm going to move. It's we're going to see. I, I just, for me, it became more and more important that like, I'm always kind of in control of what I'm doing and that there was an exit strategy or a plan or a plan B, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think that I think that definitely does. So I wanted to ask you a couple of questions about your your company that you have now. It's called Juniper, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And I'm just kind of curious of where that name came from. So this is the question where Audrey, it's going to be the first time I say it uh, in any type of media. I'm sure most people are aware of it. If you know I mean, Juniper is the name of my cat. So uh, yeah, <laughs> I had had a really tough day. So again, it all connects together. I had a really tough day in Hershey 12 years ago, something like that. And my mom called me and said, Hey, there's a stray cat that was outside my place in Lancaster. You can't find an owner. Do you want? And I said, sure, I'll take her. I had no idea it would work. So she's actually sitting here listening right now. So uh, she, um, so yeah, so she's my buddy. She, we, I've had her for a while and, uh-huh. um, when I was going through names, it just, I, so I take the E so Juniper, the cat is your traditional spelling J U N I P E R Mm -hmm. Juniper does not have the E in it because that kind of helps with the PR from there. Yeah. And then if you kind of look, I do have some cat references and my logo and some of the type, but you would only (laughs) know that if you knew to look for it, but, uh, that's fun. Yeah. I named her, 
I had no idea. I don't know anything about her, Juniper, where she was before. I named her on my drive home from Hershey. I was like, the, she's just going to be Juniper. And it just felt natural for the business to go that way and, and all of that. So that's that's kind of the emphasis of it. That's so fun. I'll, I'll have to take a look back in your website because I was looking at it you know, before the interview and I really like, it's a really pretty website, really well done. I like the color integration and that kind of thing in there. But now I'll have to look up for the cats. <laughs> yes, for sure. And I can help point them out if you need them. <laughs> Sounds good. So right now, I want to just pivot for a couple moments and ask you about if there are any myths that you can debunk for us about your passion, about PR, about marketing, maybe things that you, you had believed before you had become more studied in your craft or things you hear a lot today that are just simply not true. Is there anything you can debunk for us today? Yes. I think the first one is that the hustle economy is really glamorized in our culture Mm -hmm. right now. So what is your side hustle? How are you doing this? How are you this? How are you that? And I think simply put, I don't think entrepreneurship is for everybody. And that's not to say if you're not an entrepreneur that you're not incredibly valuable and working and things like that, but there is a level of having to reinvent and innovate and pivot Mm-hmm. Um, and really this, the sense of responsibility, I would say is really heavy. So I never thought about that before. If I don't get out of bed in the morning, what am I, like everything relies on me, right? It's a sense mm-hmm. of like finding business, being business, staffing people, finding my own healthcare. Like there is nothing that is on autopilot for me at all as an entrepreneur, there are tools that hopefully will come in place. There are employees. I have help. Like I have people that, you know, work with me and I, you know, we create a good environment. So I'm not saying that, you know, I'm the only person that works within a context of Juniper, but you kind of don't get any days off. Right. It's, it's, it, mm-hmm. it can feel very heavy at times, right. Because it's, it's my livelihood and it's my, um, so, you know, the other myth was, I thought I would have a, a work-life balance and it would be a lot better. Mm -hmm. I am working more than I've ever worked, but it's exciting to me because I know that I'm investing in things that are going to pay dividends in the future. And it again, directly affects my ability to, to grow in the places that I can go. And, um, you know, (laughs) I don't know. I think that there's a lot of talk about your more traditional paths as a woman, marriage, children, working mothers, all of Mm -hmm. that. And there isn't a lot of talk about what it takes to, in the trade-offs to have the type of business from scratch, literally building it from the ground up. Mm-hmm. figuring all of these things out and the sacrifices that come there, you know? So I would say I'm single and don't have any kids. And that doesn't bother me because I'm built to do all of this, you know, but I think inherently as a society across the board, because I am neither of those things, mm-hmm. it is often the first thing that is thrown in my face about my value you know, into Mm -hmm. society. And so 
I, there are trade-offs. I, I think that there is the myth that women have to have it all or that they can have it all. And the reality is that you can't. And I'm, I'm very aware that if I would have taken a different path or a different turn at any point, this <laughs> yeah. is no wrong turn, right? <laughs> and I would have, you know, gotten married or have kids, like, I'm sure I would be absolutely fulfilled. I'm sure I would love that. I would be walking in my purpose. Like there is no... But I would not have Juniper at the stage that it is right now, or probably Mm -hmm. have it even remotely. I thought I was going to marry my high school boyfriend and settle down. And I would have never gone to Syracuse. I would have never. And again, you know, life takes the turns that it takes, but I think sometimes it's, you know, challenging for people to understand that they're are a lot of sacrifices and challenges that come with making those, with following the path that I've followed. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. I feel like I'm saying that a lot, but (laughs) no, I think, I think I understand what you're saying about the, just kind of the myth of just like having it all and being able to, to do everything, but you only have like a finite amount of, you know, energy and time and space in your schedule to be able to pursue different things. So where you are, you realize that you had, you had made other, other choices or different life circumstances, then you wouldn't maybe would not have had the same experience that you had to start Juniper and to grow it to where it is today. Right. I mean, my priorities would have just been completely different, you know, so and I, I'm, again, if that's the way life would have gone, I would have been thrilled with that. I, I'm sure. But sometimes I think, you know, it, it, it gets challenging and I, I do hear a lot, you know, about what the value is or kind of what I'm bringing in because I don't have some of those more traditional elements of a family mm-hmm. that it's, you know, people, well, you have all the time in the world, or you have this, or you have that, or, you, you know, so and no one really wants to hear that or talk about that, which I, I get that. And, you know, but. thanks for sharing some different debunking some myths for us. I have a couple more questions before we wrap up our time. And the, the next one is, so we have, you know, heard a lot about PR and marketing communications from you. If somebody's is listening to this interview and those, uh, kind of experiences that you've shared and, uh, types of work that you have shared are kind of resonating and interesting them. Do you have any resources or tools or books or podcasts that you could recommend so they could be able to learn more? Sure. So I, the first thing I would say is if you're interested in PR, you have to love it. Cause if you don't love it, you're going to hate it because it's a, mm. it's a 24 seven, you know, you could have a crisis and it's, it's not your traditional hours. Right. So I think if you're getting interested in PR, there are a lot of great marketing podcasts that are out there, but what has really served me the best has been uh, finding books on exactly what you want to get stronger at. So there are press release books that you can write. There's the art of media. But for me, resources are hard. So so this is a hard question for me, I feel like, because I had had the, the privilege and the fortune to study the craft for so long up at Syracuse and have that be really dedicated. Mm -hmm. But there are local 
PRSA chapters, Public Relations Society of America, that is always looking and they have, um, they have discounts for students or if you're just getting started, right? So that's a great way to get involved. They have local chapters all over the country and you can meet other people that are working in PR. You can attend uh, curriculum panels, all of that. So that would probably be the really the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, networking is just everything. So not being afraid to reach out to somebody that you admire that you think is doing a good job and you know seeing if they have 15 minutes or 30 minutes. I find the PR industry to be incredibly uh, kind and people want other people to succeed and we want to help everybody come up. The more people that are doing PR and understand PR, the better for us. PR has only been a career since like the mid nineties. And Mm -hmm. so it's still really early in its, in its phase. And, and so the more collective knowledge that we have or putting yourself with people around it, the better. Awesome. Well, I think those are some kind of good parameters and also some good resources. Um, And we'll share those in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining us each week to listen to our awesome guests come on as they chat about their story and their passions and how their passions have evolved and grown throughout their story. I am so humbled, so honored, and just so thankful that you would choose to download and listen to these conversations every other week through inviting me into your earbuds, your car, your Google Home, your Alexis, wherever you listen. Thank you so much, listener. I am so grateful for you. Can you do me a favor? If you've not already, could you please subscribe to the podcast, whichever podcast player app you're listening to us on today? If you already subscribed, thank you so much, friend. I truly appreciate it. It makes a huge difference. I would love it if you would share this episode with a friend. I find out about so many shows sharing recommendations through friends. Maybe some of you have found this episode through a friend. Lastly, would you please leave a rating or review on whichever podcast player app you're listening to us on? Thank you so much. I know these things may seem super small, subscribing, sharing the show, leaving a rating or review, but they make a huge difference in new listeners finding the No Ring Turns pod. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here, for listening, and for cheering on the No Ring Turns pod. Thank you for subscribing, sharing, and reviewing the show. All right, back to Samantha's story. final question that we ask everybody who comes on the podcast is what is feeling you today? What is feeling your passion? This could be something as simple as a new coffee drink, or maybe a new walking route that you found or a new TV show. So what's feeling you today? So from a work perspective, some new clients that are coming in is very exciting. I love expanding and doing some new things. What is fueling me today? I would say I just being in my own space. So I think I'd share with you. I finally, after, you know, 12 years in Chicago, um, took the plunge and and bought something here. So it what's fueling me is being able to really design the space as I want it to be. I've finally had like my bed frame come in and just kind of create these comfortable moments. So it's, it's small things, you know, it's like fresh Mm -hmm. flowers and, and having the coffee creamer that I want to have and just really kind of being able to be to a point where I'm like, I, I can do this. And then travel always, always fuels me. That was my favorite thing to do before the pandemic. 
I was just in Paris. It was my first trip in two years internationally. And so when you're able to just get out of yourself and go and see other cultures, all of the other people, all the, I mean, you know, this, you're, you're living abroad right now too. Yeah. It just gives you such a, such a richer perspective of the human experience. And then I feel like I always carry things back with me. So being able to go to Paris, I've come back and I just feel a lot calmer and much more focused. And there's mm-hmm. just travel just has a way of kind of healing you and sorting things out, um, that you might not even know are there. So that would be what I would say is fueling me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing and, uh, for letting us, uh, hear your story and about your passions. If the listeners are interested in finding you or following you or learning more about Juniper, could you let them know where they can find you? Yes. So I am on Instagram at S joy Flynn, F L Y N N. Uh, my website is www.juniperpublicrelations.com. And I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, you can search for me Samantha, <laughs> and I'll pop up. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for your time and for sharing your story and your passions. Friends, this was an awesome conversation with Samantha. It was great to see how her passion for communication and public relations only grew and grew to be something that was so life-giving to her. As she progressed in her knowledge and PR skill set, she was able to learn more, and that led her to open her own PR business. Two quotes that Samantha said that really stuck out to me. The first was, there is no elevator to the top. You have to start on the stairs referring to when she worked for about 10 years learning her craft and field before she took the jump to start working for herself when she started Juniper Public Relations. And I think that this same idea correlates when she said the second quote about how social has edited out a lot of the work in progress. Oftentimes, I don't know about you, but I can feel frozen when I'm trying to pursue something, either work or, you know, just for a fun hobby, because I'm seeing everything, everybody with something already done, but they've already climbed the stairs and done the work. This is a great reminder that we should be encouraged and reminded about the significance about doing the work and stepping up to each new step. I hope that you are all encouraged today from Samantha's story and her passions. My prayer is that you consider what God has for you and what he might be leading you to. See the show notes for our music credits. All right, guys, enjoy your week. If you enjoyed the episode, I would love it if you could share it with a friend. And I will see you back here next time with Bita Hashimport, CEO and founder at Mompetit 4. Hey friends, you have just listened to the Norwing Turns pod with Audrey Hunter. I'm Audrey and I'm your host. I'm so happy that you are here. If you like what you listened to today, make sure that you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We're bringing new shows every other Tuesday and always have on some awesome guests to chat about their story and their passions and how their passions have evolved and grown throughout their story. Subscribe today to the Norwing Turns pod with Audrey Hunter on your podcast player app so you'll never miss an episode. See you next time.